Welcome, welcome, welcome to Armchair Expert. I'm Dax Shepard. And although she is not currently present, she is present in the interview. Worry not, Miniature Mouse is here. Quick thank you to everybody who came to the Salt Lake City show. We had the most excellent time. It was so wonderful to be out in the world and seeing armchairs face-to-face. My goodness, what a wonderful time it was. Today, we have Alicia Vikander. Alicia Vikander is an Academy Award-winning actor. I fell in love with her in Ex Machina, but of course, she's had an enormous career. Tomb Raider, The Danish Girl, Jason Bourne, The Green Knight, and now she has a new movie out called Blue Bayou. I hope everyone checks out Blue Bayou. I also hope everyone enjoys Alicia Vikander. If you listen for a while, AG1 shouldn't be new to you. What's not new to me, I've been a fan for over six years. I have it every morning. I had it this morning. But if you haven't tried it yet, seriously, it's such an easy way to improve your health. It replaces multiple health supplements like multivitamins, digestive aids, immune support, and more in just one simple scoop. In 60 seconds... I know I'm covering my nutritional bases and setting myself up for success to tackle the day. And for how simple it is, it's crazy what a difference it makes. It's full of prebiotics for my gut, vitamin B to keep my energy up, magnesium for my stress levels. I could keep listing ingredients and benefits all day, but you just need to know it works. So I've partnered with AG1 for so long because they make such a high quality product that I genuinely look forward to drinking every day. If you want to find out your newest healthy habit, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase at drinkag1.com slash DAX. That's drinkag1.com slash DAX. Check it out. We are supported by Taco Bell. Oh, man. We often do two recordings a day and we have this little nice lunch break that we enjoy and we're always craving something really yummy. Yes, something fresh, something high quality, something like the all new cantina chicken menu from Taco Bell, which is Mm. exactly that. Mm. It's so yummy. It has slow roasted chicken, the pico, that purple cabbage and an avocado verde salsa sauce. Oh, delicious. Outrageous. The new Cantina Chicken Tacos, Burrito, and Quesadilla are the perfect daytime choice. Try the new Cantina Chicken menu at Taco Bell now. He's an Hello, hi. I'm so excited to meet you. I didn't think this would ever happen in any way. I was watching Ex Machina Mm -hmm. and falling deeply in love with you as I think every single person did, (laughs) which is its own interesting psychological thing we should explore. And I thought in my head, I actually had the thought, well, well, I'll never bump into her. She's not going to be in like a cheap TV comedy. We're never going to be like (laughs) castmates or anything. And I'm pretty much done going to any parties so that I won't meet that person but I would love to and yet here we are I'm so happy and you know (laughs) you guys have done so great and I just I feel honored now to be one of the guests on your show oh my god that's hard to believe that's what you've done in just a few years so you know (laughs) (laughs) straight away from the cheap tv comedies that's like what I long to do now really Really? I just want to make like light (laughs) fun stuff i'll tell you it is really really fun to do because in general everyone's in a good mood you're trying to make some funny stuff happen really fun really fun around set 
But I will say this. You can leave work having done a comedy and going like, hmm, I don't know if we got that. And there's no way to fix it. Like, there's no way to push in slowly and add the perfect song that'll maybe cover up and give some emotion. Like, it's either funny or it's not. So there, mm. that is the only part that I think is... Some pressure. Some pressure that maybe is unexpected. I guess you are right. I can still have that feeling, I mean, with drama. I guess you're right that it's easier to kind of go in and make it something new in the edit. Well, have you had the experience I have when doing a drama where I left work and I was like, hmm, I didn't really do the thing I was hoping to do. That's a bummer and embarrassing. And then I see it and I, and I go, ooh, that song made the whole thing work. Thank God they put that song in there. Yeah. But one thing that I think is pretty, like, I mean, it's not completely wrong when you have that feeling too. But have you been on set when it happened today, actually? when we were shooting and the co-actor, he was like, did you feel that? And I was like, yeah, I felt it. And the thing is, when you get that take, it's like a thing that just happens and it hangs in the air. And the amazing thing is that the boom guy knows it. And the guys behind the monitor knows it. And it's like, no one said anything, but everyone knew, okay, that was it. And it's amazing. And you don't know what it is, but in unison, everyone knows. It was a bit of magic there. This will be a fun thing of actors complaining, but I do think it's unique to this job, which is, let's say that moment you're talking about can happen in a wide. So if you're not incredibly familiar with how the sausage is made, you shoot this big, big shot with probably all the actors and you see the whole set, but that is not what you will see in the finished movie. You'll see a close up of the person having their emotional scene. Also, the agony of I've gotten that moment in the wide and then like, okay, let's move in for coverage. And then you just never get that feeling in coverage. That happens too. But then it's cool. Like the series I'm shooting right now, I've shot eight weeks now, seven. And I did like my first real close-up two days what? ago. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Olivier Assayas, a French filmmaker and... I've done three days in a row with like eight pages a day of just two people talking. But he's very good at, it's called blocking. It's kind of when you set the choreography of how how you move in a a scene. And it's never dull. And that's so nice because the other day it was like a bit closer, like, I don't know, half body. But like it was the first just my face close up in eight weeks. And in one way, I, I admire that because he is a very talented filmmaker and he dares to trust both the performers as actors and his own words and that it will transcend and work in a bigger frame and that you hopefully will be able to stay in those frames longer. And then when he punched in for real, and it kind of reminds me of like during lockdown, actually, I watched a lot of old classics. Uh And it's amazing if you watch films from like the 30s, 40s, and it's incredible performances. And they run scenes in wide shots for a long time. And you're as engaged. And then suddenly, if you're aware of it, they go close. And it's like it happens only a few times in the film. And the impact is so big. It's interesting because it can be easier and it's so hard to make movies, especially what we do now here, shooting it like this. I am a bit more terrified. I'm like, I don't know if this is going to work, you know. Uh, Sure. (laughs) Because you're a bit more naked in that sense. But normally you cover a lot then you also set up for the fact, like you said, you can go into an edit and you do have a lot more choices and then also can 
push to bring out emotions easier if you go close, let's say. Yeah. It's a big cast in the series. I mean, he's one of those directors that a lot of actors want to work with. So the actors that he's brought on set are... They're all the great. Top of their game. <laughs> yeah, no, I walk in every day and I'm like, whoo, okay. <laughs> and with those long scenes, I just need to... Know your shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I would say that I'm I'm so impressed by everyone surrounding me on this show. I would imagine for you, you would enjoy like many different touch points on a set, like a, a big choreograph scene with lots of movement and marks because you did ballet. Like to me, that feels like something that would appeal to you. I love that. How long did you do ballet? I went to the Royal Swedish Ballet School. So I started when I was nine and I did the whole nine years in school. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> this is most of my questions for Alicia are about this experience, as you might guess. Mm -hmm. This is fascinating. One of them being, well, first of all. Have you been in ballet? No. Well, no. no. Monica's a two-time state champ cheerleader. That's so she had her own version of that, but it was more the American. <laughs> I, I'm sure of the training is not very far of my experience. It is intense. And, and violent. And a little violent and a little <laughs> emotional. Yeah. Lots of injuries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I only did that for a few years, nine years. I mean, that's so much dedication. Okay, so I have a stereotype in my mind of people who do ballet. I've had several different friends that were into ballet. And where it differs, in my opinion, from other things is I've noticed they'll still do it. Like, it's their workout in a way. And it's clearly something cathartic is happening when they do this Not work. Me. Not you. <laughs> you would never do it as a workout. No. For me, it was so difficult to quit when I did because it had been my life. When I quit, it was emotionally very hard to make that. I was very afraid that I was making the wrong decision. Yeah. Uh, I was also feeling like I was letting everyone down, especially all mm. the teachers. When I did it, it was kind of from having done it like six, seven hours a day, <laughs> six days a week for <laughs> these years. I never took a ballet class from the day I quit. Did you feel super liberated? Like, oh my God, I have so much time. I have so much less pain. I can get friends. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, I suddenly became a very kind of 18-year-old, 18-year-old. You know, I was mm. like, I, I wanted to do everything and travel. You were let out of a ballet cage. Yeah, I mean, mm. it, it was amazing. And I wouldn't exchange that for anything. In one way, it was kind of my education for what I do now. But it's tough. I'm like impressed. Like even if I did it myself, I kind of forget that sometimes. And I went to the opera here in Paris just a few weeks ago. And as soon as I see the dancers, I'm like, oh my God, I just can't believe. Because like somewhere I still remember what it's like and what it is. And yeah. then even more, I'm like, oh my God, I'm such awe. And like people should know what these guys go through. And then I saw Romeo and Juliet, pretty amazing. It was their first opening night with like a full audience and then I was behind stage and I got to say hi to the premier dancers who did the leads and it's a lot of pas de deux it's called in, in, in French Ooh. but it's a, when Ooh. the classical thing when you see the, the couple dancing and the girl gets lifted a lot and thrown around and in Romeo and Juliet it's like up in the air and down on the floor it's very 
dramatic and romantic, obviously, and they die. So it's, it's a lot of throwing her everywhere. And then she stands there. She was like, oh, yeah, no, I'm okay. You know, but I broke a rib three days ago. Oh. <laughs> so she oh was like, God. yeah, we had to work out. He had to, like, have his hand on another rib tonight. Oh. <laughs> so he could, like, throw me from here. <laughs> and, and I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's just nuts. Yeah, yeah, it definitely follows the pattern way more of a professional sport than it does, like, an artistic outlet. Yeah, it's exactly that. It seems to attract a certain personality type, because great pain is ahead of you. There's a weird layer of masochism to it, a tiny bit. It's the ultimate expression of control, and not just the physical control, but also, like, the body shape, the eating... That's why you get them young when they don't yeah, know. Right. Yeah. You bring out the pink tutus. False advertising. You lure them in with the tutus. Well, lures everyone in, including me. I was sitting there. I think I was like three and watching uh, the Nutcracker. And, you know, my mom was prepared to like take me to go home after the first act, you know, three years old. And I was like, oh, and I sat there for two hours. Because wow. of the pink tutus. Pink tutus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I remember. And then I, she actually put me in class and I was so bummed. I remember it was like the Christmas kind of show. And like my group got to be like pirates. And the other group got to be like pink butterflies. And I was so, so sad. A whole year of training to get to do that. Yeah. This pirate costume. I don't know. I kind of think of it as like the closest thing you can do to joining the convent. Like, you dedicate your entire life to it, and it's embroiled in so much disappointment and pain. I feel like if you can get through that experience, it's a pretty good foundation to move forward. I guess what I'm saying is probably everything feels a little bit easy after that. Yeah, I think when things have been hard in life, I often thought, well, it's not worse than ballet school. Yeah. And that was yeah. physical pain, but psychologically, it, it's tough. Like, when you find out what the symphony orchestra players go through to get to that point, I think you're largely unaware of it. Like you say, you go to the the opera, you go to a player, you go to a symphony, and you just see the pink tutus or you hear the great song. But then when you find out, like, the amount of hours it takes one to get themselves in that situation, it's just kind of eye-opening. Yeah. Was there an impetus for quitting? Was there like an inciting incident or it just was slowly gnawing at you? It was a slowly realization that I didn't want to live my life as a dancer. Yeah. Because it is that hard. That's why I, for anyone who, who actually done it and it's pretty actually cool. I, I told you I haven't done a class since. But yeah. on the show I'm doing now, the director and writer wrote in uh, that I need to do a cabaret scene and he hired one of the world's of France biggest choreographers who I never would have ever be able to work with <laughs> if Otherwise. I was a dancer and I stepped into the room and I was like oh my god as a dancer I would never ever 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 have made it into this space yeah, and I cool. had three days when he made me a choreography and I was like I haven't done this in years and then he was so sweet and he even said he was like you should come and join us for a performance next summer I was like yeah sure <laughs> <laughs> but it was really incredible like I love dancing and I, if you know me you know that even if I don't take class I dance everywhere well I don't know you but I hope to after this 
See you on the dance floor. Yeah. <laughs> I can fuck up a dance floor. No training, but I won't get off of it. I leave it all on the floor just to warn you ahead of time. Amazing. Well, I don't think there is great dancers. They're just dedicated dancers. So you grew up in Sweden. Yeah. We had this world-renowned economist on, and he was just obsessed with Sweden. So obsessed in the middle way. And that approach. So we're very interested in Sweden and we want a kind of an insider's perspective. So I'm glad you're here. What I noticed that has to be a little different is you went away at 16. She left. It's Gutenberg. Yeah. Where are you from? Is that how you pronounce it? Gothenburg. Gothenburg. Oh, wow. Yeah. I fucked off. that up bad. I was like, oh, I bet that's a silent H like uh, yeah. Neanderthal, like German. I was wrong. But you went to Stockholm to pursue ballet at 16 completely by yourself and you lived on your own yeah that's a fine thing to do in sweden there's no issue no one's scared <laughs> <laughs> no i mean yeah i was not even six i was 15 a few months before i turned 16 yeah and the thing is the last year before i moved i was more worried about my mom i'm her only yeah. child and i was like my god mm. i kind of like felt bad and now being an adult i really understand i have asked mom and i was like oh my god how did you cope and she was like, no, the year before you left was tough because she had a hunch with the training that I did that I might get in if I yeah. applied to the school in Stockholm. So she said she went through this year of like kind of getting to terms with me leaving. And then she said when you finally did, it was okay. <laughs> Manageable. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but so I think nowadays they do have a boarding school, but they didn't have that then. Who did you live with? Where did you live no, so first six months, I rented a room. And then you get like a small allowance, I think like a hundred and maybe $200 from your city. If you get into a school that you can prove doesn't exist in your town. Oh, okay. This is part of the middle way right yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. you get that. And I got a bit of cash from my parents. But yeah, it wasn't much. Uh, but then I rented a room, but then I actually managed to find an apartment that I rented. I mean, it's so crazy because Stockholm, like the rest of the world and big cities now, is like to rent, the prices are crazy. Mm -hmm. So I was extremely lucky that I found something actually central in Stockholm. So yeah, I mean, it was pretty cool. I remember when I was like 16 and I was like, <laughs> no, just come over to my place. <laughs> You know, and it was like so cool. And I was like, I have oats and meatballs. <laughs> I mean, it was tiny, this flat. But it was kind of cheap only because they there was regulated prices because it didn't really have a kitchen. Oh, okay. Oh. Okay. So it was like just a cabinet and then it was a sink. And I had like this like um, camp hot, kind of yeah. hot. And then I <laughs> bought this mini bar. And I remember it was like milk, yogurt. Like the freeze compartment, with, which only fitted like one packet. That's so Swedish. I remember I ate like <laughs> frozen meatballs. <laughs> yeah. Like, how did you respond to that much freedom? Still responsible or? I think I was quite a responsible child growing up. But it's interesting because I lived in a very small apartment with my mom growing up. And I think just turning 14, 15, and you're about to like, oh my God, I just need to break out and do things and maybe not follow the rules and whatever. I kind yeah. of probably held back another year because I knew that I might just be leaving and then I want to be nice to my mom. 
you know. Yeah. But then I remember I arrived in Stockholm like maybe two weeks leading up to the school starting. It's like summer. And I remember just for me, I mean, Stockholm now maybe is not very big, but to me then it was like the capital it was huge. And I went in t- down the subway and I have this memory of me like I was like, life begins now. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I had to uh. work out, had to wash your clothes. <laughs> it's like one of those things. It was like my mom was like, you need to do it more. You don't even know how to do it. And I was like, obviously I know how to do it. And then I remember I stood there I was like trying to figure shit out <laughs> on the day. But then school started. Fun was over. Yeah. I mean, naturally, I wanted to go to bed as soon as possible because I had to be up at 5.30 a.m. in the morning and be in school by 7. What age can you drink there? 18. And I really used that. So between the second to last and last year, I guess because like we said earlier, that it's so closed in and it, it takes up so much time being in school that I hadn't made a lot of friends just because I moved up, moved from my hometown to Stockholm and I spend most of my time in school. And I made this like promise to myself. I was like, I'm going to make friends. Uh-huh. And I did. And actually the people I met that summer before my last year are some of my best friends still today. But it's fun to say to them now. I was like, yeah, no, I was kind of like hunting friends. <laughs> I remember I was at this party and like, actually, she was one of my bridesmaids at my wedding. Uh, and I remember I walked into this party and, you know, and I was like, saw this gorgeous girl like down the hallway and she seemed so cool and like everyone wanted to talk to her. And I was like, she's going to become my friend. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so, yeah. So, so then that last year, I kind of rebelled ballet school a bit. So I, I kind of became friends with a guy who had the key to the school. Oh, okay. Because we did spend so much hours in school. They actually had beds in our locker rooms. Oh, my God. This sounds like a Soviet-era gymnast training program. Yeah, no, so I sometimes went out dancing. but I couldn't really drink because I then knew I, I was going to go to school. But I loved being uh, out, like, dancing. So I yeah. w- waited until, like, five when it closed. And then I went straight to school. And I had a nap Oof. in school and put the ballet <laughs> bun up and... Then I walked into class two hours later. Oh, so then you go in, you do an exchange program in New York. So this question probably won't apply to you, but I am curious. I was just talking about this with Monica the other day. Swedes are my favorite people to run into traveling. You find them everywhere. (laughs) You do find them everywhere. They're everywhere. They're scattered about the globe on holiday at all times. And I find that they are almost universally fantastic conversationalists. And my first experience with it was on a train ride from Barcelona to Rome. Very long train ride. I was 19. And my girlfriend and I were seated across four Swedish kids traveling. And we got to talking. And we had this incredible time. And I asked, you know, had you guys ever been to the States? One of them had done an exchange program in the South. And I said, how'd you like it? And she said, oh, it was, I couldn't stand it. And I said, oh, what, what didn't you like about it? And she said, this forced hospitality, this kind of disingenuous politeness. It's just so not Swedish and it drove me crazy. And I was like, oh, being from the North, there's even a big difference between Detroit and the South. And I'm like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. But then I think just in general, even where I'm from, there's a lot of like pleasantries that seem disingenuous. And I wondered if you were aware of that. I mean, totally. I love all these differences. I love talking about kind of what defines people in different cultures. And it's very hard to kind of notice what you do. 
until mm-hmm. yeah. you actually move away from your home. And Big then time. I realized, oh, that's what I'm doing. I now understand I do these things because I grow up like this. And I mean, that is not even just the South. I think it's a very European versus American culture. Mm-hmm. I kind of came to America. I was like, oh my, like everything is amazing. <laughs> And they like me so much. <laughs> and they like, <laughs> and everyone's so happy. And everyone's, they want to do all these things, apparently. But then you kind of realize, I was like, oh, that sometimes it's just conversation, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. And those are things we do not say. So we will just blindly trust everything that you guys like. You're right, right. Yeah. Right. And then you realize, I think Swedes abroad are generally, like you said, I think they're more conversational. If you go to Sweden, I think it might be a bit different. You know, if you go to a party there, you might think, oh, the Swedes are quite stuck up and quite boring and like very serious. And yeah. And I think that's just because for us, you get to know each other, but this is, you, you can tell me if it's wrong, but then it's a bit of a short time before you actually become friends. It's like in America, I felt like I can have met people quite a few times. And I'm like, we're friends now, right? Yeah, <laughs> you <know>? yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, yeah, but I would never get invited to somebody's house. It's pleasant and nice, but then I'm like, shouldn't we like hang out? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go to the inner circle. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's something different. So in, in Europe, I think you need to fight a bit more to get in there, to get to know the person. But then if you manage to do it, people open up. So my wife and I are both from Michigan. Like we have the same culture. And then of course we have different childhoods. So the way I interpret love and how I would show love is different from hers, but that's from a childhood dynamic that's different. But I do wonder, because you're married to someone from Ireland and he of course has his own culture. Do you ever bump up against where you just go like, oh, I'm sorry, sweetie, that probably hurt your feelings, but that's just a very Swedish thing I did. Like, is there any cultural layers? We have quite similar upbringings from like kind of working class families, smaller houses. And so we mostly more felt we have quite a lot of similarities. Our families, it was a very easy kind of introduction there too. Really? So there's no like cultural differences in displaying affection or like are Swedes affectionate? Well, it's interesting just with Americans saying, I love you. anyone to everyone yeah 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 yeah. i'm the biggest offender of that can i just admit real quick he's gonna say it to you at the end of this well and i'll mean it but continue (laughs) yeah so i love you in swedish is and that is like i was with my first like long relationship boyfriend for one and a half year before i said that and i think i said it like four times <laughs> okay, can I be clear though? So I have this bracket for humans in my life that are friends, and I do love them. Like the feeling I have inside for them is butterflies. I would never say that prematurely to a romantic partner because that means so much, and that's such a kind of a level of commitment that I would never be haphazard about. Yeah, but it is the language too. It's it's so interesting to get to know a culture through languages too, and how they work, and like like. Saying that in Swedish is like, you're like, oh. It's like, I remember when my dad says it on the phone sometimes. I'm like, really? I got like quite emotional. That's nice that it reserves a power. Yeah. It's pretty cool that those words are very important. 
packed full. So it's not the same. Like when I say I love you in English, it, mm. it doesn't ring or it doesn't emotionally mean the same thing as if I say it in Swedish. Yeah, like in your lifetime, if you're Swedish, you're probably only going to say that word to a handful of people. It's become because of you guys. Uh-oh. <laughs> no, more used. It's oh, actually really? changed over the past 10 years, I would say. It's almost gone to the point now when we might be like you guys soon. You're loose. Like you love the person at McDonald's who just rang you up? No, that would be strange. <laughs> I said that probably, but yeah. But if you're craving a Big Mac and you have been for a year and they give it to you, you might feel a pang of love I've had for them. One in twenty years. Twenty. <laughs> years. Wow! Yeah. Wow! Wow! wow. But that's also familial, like how you are raised. Because when I first joined this group of friends, it was the same thing. Like I started babysitting for them and I would leave and they'd be like, bye, I love you. And I was like, I don't know what to say. Like, do they love me? Like I've only been babysitting for like a month. But so for me, it was also a transition of like, oh, they don't mean it in the way that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Or like the French here. It's amazing. And it's, again, language that forms an entire culture and people. Yeah. So French, they kind of like, it's always not an issue, but they like to argue and like to talk mm. a lot, you know, for the sake of it. Yeah. Uh, and then it's also, it's like, when something's good, they don't say it's good. They say, it's a pas mal. And that means it's not bad. It's oh. not bad. That's the high compliment. It's not bad. It's like, oh, pas mal. That's like ah. really good. Like really Ooh. good. It's like, you know, we had it on set. He was like, oh, pas mal. He was like, then we know, oh, director is very happy. Bamal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Not bad. And it just shows, it's like, I spoke to a, a friend here who's French and he said too, it's like, yeah, you're a kid growing up. And when someone tells you you've done good, they say it's not bad. I just don't know if after lovemaking, if my partner said, <laughs> not bad. I'd be like, okay, I but will work on that. That's I very will. American. We hear, we're saying like, it's amazing. Like, yeah. you can't stop, stop saying the word amazing. We love superlatives yes. in America. Everything's the best. It's a no, it's like if I say it in America, I was like, oh, that's really good. They were like, like uh oh. Yeah, we oh. failed you. Oh, we failed she doesn't you. like it. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's put off. Mm. Well, I have friends that are more effusive than me. And yeah, it annoys me because I'm like, oh, it means nothing. I figured, like, in my mind, I'm at the level where I'm super enthusiastic, but I'm not disingenuous. In my mind, which certainly you must read as disingenuous, Sometimes. as I do in other people who are more. But I feel like when I'm talking enthusiastically about things I love, which there's so many, it's not a sh act. Like, I have those feelings inside. I have butterflies and excitement and enthusiasm for a Big Mac. Like, I can eventize <laughs> getting a Big Mac. Like, like it's a real thing. Yeah, and I think I become a bit more like that when I'm out in L.A. Now I suddenly reached a higher level and I have a difficulty to express <laughs> that. Something higher. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. boy, you're right. You don't leave yourself a lot of room. But I want to say you could almost argue it is the difference in a worldview that is infinite and abundant or one that is finite and needs to be doled out carefully does that make any sense it, and it's an interesting thought like uh, so 
let me first acknowledge, so annoying. That would drive me nuts if I were you. Like, well, nothing means nothing. Everyone fucking loves their shitty no, hamburger. No, that's not true. I love these things. Like, I end up talking about it a lot, traveling. I kind of like to figure out. Yeah, yeah. You appreciate it, the difference. Yeah, when I was in Japan, too, to learn that the language, it's like I had to speak a bit of Japanese, and I kind of read this line, and I was like, and I read it in the translated version in English, and I asked my translator, I was like, I would love for it to have a tiny, a bit of sarcasm in there. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And he was like, well, then all you have to do is address this person a bit above than what you should. Ah, uh, yeah, it'd be like calling the guy at the valet your highness. That would be sarcastic. Yeah, but they just can do it in a very slight... Subtle yeah, way. Subtle way, and I thought that was cool. How many languages do you speak? Because I noticed you did a movie in Danish early on. Uh, my Danish, when I've had a few drinks, is pretty good. Okay. <laughs> when you're playing pool. Yeah. When I'm in Copenhagen and play pool, probably that's what they kind of do there. Yeah. I would give it a go. I do understand a bit of French, I've realized now. So they can't talk too much shit about, about me you. on set. <laughs> no. So I kind of showing them, I was like, I do know what you're saying. Can I tell you, that's Monica's dream, because when we talk about superpowers, I want to be invisible. She wants to be able to hear what people think, which I think would be terrible. I would not want to know that at all. No. It's none of my business. No. None of my business. I'm just scared. I'm but just she can do crazy. that. She's figured out, and you could do it too. So learn a language okay. and tell everyone you don't speak it. Mm. And then you could do, you then would hear them talking country. about you. Yes. Okay. That's and a big plan, but it, sure. It's going to take a while, but not as hard as ballet. <laughs> true, true. And Michael speaks German? Yes. His mother tongue is English. Right. Because he moved away from Germany when he was two. Somehow I read that he could speak German. Yeah, it's not his first language, but yeah, he can get by. If <laughs> He would hate me if I said this now. No, it's really good. It's really amazing. <laughs> it's wonderful. <laughs> it's it's sehr gut. Sehr, sehr gut. Well, I was just thinking that that's quite an advantage for your kid to grow up in a language. I bet if you put together 100 American families, you might get four languages that could be spoken. That's dreadful. Yeah, but it, I think... One thing that is happening, though, is it's amazing to see films just over the past few years. I mean, with Parasite winning an Oscar, people now yeah. in America will have started to get used to actually reading subtitles and actually yeah. start to watch this wonderful treasure of films that have been made all over the world. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. We are supported by ZipRecruiter. Are there some fantastic concerts coming to your city this summer? Mine too. In fact, Anderson Pack's playing at the Hollywood Bowl. I can't wait for Ooh, it. Ooh, that's exciting. If you want to be sure to see your favorite artist, you need to jump on it right away. I've already DM'd him saying, yes, I got to be in that front row. When you want the best, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. It's like if you're hiring for your business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. So what's the best way to do that? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. Got your eye on a rock star candidate? ZipRecruiter's invite to apply feature lets you cut the line. Once you review ZipRecruiter's list of the most qualified candidates for your job, you can easily invite your top choices to apply to encourage them to apply sooner. 
Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. We are supported by BetterHelp. Listen, I understand that sometimes you want to keep things to yourself, process your emotions in your own time. But if you keep everything bottled up, it can have some serious consequences. I have therapy on Saturday. I'm really looking forward to it. I had therapy this morning. Yeah, you did. Yeah, and it put me in the greatest mood. We had a long, big day, and I just felt much better for having you were some... not to out you. You were a little grumpy going in. I was. I was. I was to be Rob specific. and I received some texts. Yeah, I was morning. locked out of my therapy setting, which is this attic. <laughs> But then you felt much better after. I felt much better. And I even made some apologies. Um, Talking things out can be so helpful. And if you want a safe space for that conversation, I recommend therapy. Check out BetterHelp if you've been thinking of trying therapy. It's entirely online, convenient, and flexible. It's also easy to get started. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for any reason for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash DAX today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DAX. We are supported by Squarespace. Guys, we have a Squarespace website that's just gorgeous. That Wobby Wob, you uh, you built that yourself using all the templates, yeah? I sure did. Yeah, easy peasy? So easy. The best part about Squarespace is it's an all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. You can get discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools, and you can choose from professionally curated layouts and styling options with Squarespace Blueprint. Plus, you can kickstart or update written content on any website, product description, or email with Squarespace AI. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial and save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with the code DAX. I have the weirdest surprise for you, and I don't know if you're going to like it. I've never done this ever on the show, but I felt like this was the time to do it. And so here's the backstory before I introduce them. Our best friend, Jess, he grew up in Sweden. He's American, but his dad played professional (laughs) basketball in Sweden, so he grew up there for six or seven years. He sings a song that I can't imagine is correct, but I knew you would know, and so I've invited him to sing this song for you, if that's okay with you. Amazing. Should I join if I know it? Perhaps you you join, but I'm going to give Jess your microphone. Oh my God, I'm so excited. He can have mine, Monica. Let me stand behind you guys. Jess, you kind of need to stand, right? Alicia, you're never, ever in your life going to see a performance this heartfelt, ever. I promise you. Oh my God. More heartfelt? No. No, 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 do it like you do. Do it like you do it. Okay. Uh, Hey. He wanted it. Oh Oh my God. This is superpower. I left when I was 11, so. It's so good. It's so imponent. Fantastic. Wow, I've never heard him do what he just did. Oh my God, you look so Swedish. You look a lot more Swedish than I do. Okay, so this is Jess. So my favorite song, oh, we don't tell what it is? No, don't tell what it is. Just start. Här kom Pippi Longstrump, shalla hopp, shalla hej, shalla hopp, sansa. Här kom Pippi Longstrump, här kommer faktiskt jag. Har du sett min apa, min lilla söta apa? 
Har du sett Herr Nilsson? Ja, den heter faktiskt så. Här kom Pippi Långstrump, tjälla hopp, tjälla hej, tjälla hopp, sen så. Här kom Pippi Långstrump, här kommer faktiskt jag. Har du sett min villa, min villa, villa, kolla? Har du sett min villa? Ja, den heter faktiskt så. Här kom Pippi Långstrump, tjälla hopp, tjälla hej, tjälla hopp, sen så. Här kom Pippi Långstrump, här kommer faktiskt jag. She knows it. Nice to meet you. Pippi Longstrom. Yeah. Hey, Dua. I have to go to work. Love you. (laughs) Okay. Love you. Amazing. Okay. Were the words accurate? I think you nailed it. I think that was correct. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That was a first. I kind of remembered it, too. Yeah, you were singing along. (laughs) Yeah. I was impressed. Oh, my God. Thank you for doing that. Receiving that, I guess. Thank you for receiving that. <laughs> it's the jingle for Pippi Longstocking. And yeah, I voiced her on Spotify. You did? What? Like last year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's a connection. On Spotify. There. We like that. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> Jess has gone to Halloween as Pippi Longstocking at nine of the last 16 years. He makes the best oh. Pippi because he's six foot seven and Amazing. looks yeah. insane. And he's probably as strong as Pippi. Maybe not as <laughs> oh god that was fun okay wow. so he did a good job he can sing that song because when i'm listening to it i'm like i love it so much we make him sing it all the time but i'm like i don't know if he's saying the real thing or is sure, he just making it up no, we don't know that is the real thing <laughs> oh my god that's exciting okay can we talk about because now i gotta now i gotta put the pedal to the metal so we can talk about your new movie but i just i have to ask a couple questions about ex machina because i just I don't know, man. That movie for me was what an experience. That movie was in, on so many yeah. different levels. Like visually, it was so incredible. The acting was insane. The concept with the thinking, all of it was so impressive. And my first question was, where was that set? We shot it in, in a studio in London, like five weeks. And then we spent maybe a week, 10 days up in, by the fjords in Norway. Oh, so that's Norway. Yeah. And it, oh. it's pretty amazing. So it's partly this hotel, like very simple hotel where we shot it. And I think their business is <laughs> thriving since. And for the past seven years, <laughs> people are just, it's like fully booked. And it was like the nicest family who ran that place. We were like living in the rooms we were shooting in. And then we had to like move out in the morning. And set <laughs> oh, up and like, you know, really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like probably now the Park Hyatt in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. People go like on vacation to have their lost in translation yeah. experience. Exactly. And one thing I thought was potentially interesting is Alexander Garland, who wrote and directed that. He's a son of a psychologist. You're a daughter of a psychiatrist. Did that come up? Do children of psychiatrists and psychologists share a bond? I think one thing is I grew up with a dad who in his office downstairs, like he has one wall with just a lot of books and one wall uh, is medicine and then the other one is just fantasy and sci-fi oh because he thinks it's kind of the same he was like this is all the same world and my the same interest he read fantasy for me when i was a kid so that interest in science i think and sci-fi i have too which obviously alex has here's the bond i imagine hypothetically exist as i would hope the children of psychologists or psychiatrists have a more well-rounded toolkit than most kids get i think 
It's interesting. I mean, I, I give this credit to my dad. I've had a few people sometimes ask me, it's like, oh, how was it having a dad who's in that profession? Did he ever like analyze you or give you? And I was like, no, never. But I have thought back on time, especially when I've been an adult and didn't live at home. And when I needed it, he was like magically always there. And he has this crazy talent and I know now later in life that he is doing this because he's actually very good at it. And he makes people talk. He is, in a very classic sense, he's a very good listener. And this has happened a few times and at quite strange occasions. I was actually in Tokyo filming. He was there visiting. And we went to this pretty like underground cool nightclub. And it was like, pretty intense dungeon and it was like this very kind of known famous dj up in the booth like after a while i was like where's dad you know and then <laughs> uh, i suddenly sure. see him up in the dj booth like with his hands <laughs> crossed and this like dj <laughs> has left some other dude standing there <laughs> and then they stand there for like literally like 25 minutes and i was like isn't that his set right now you know? <laughs> and then that guy comes down because he's friends with a, one of my friends and he's like Oh my God, it's like, I don't know what happened. It's like, I met your dad. I opened up my entire life to this guy, you know? <laughs> and he had no clue what my dad does. And he was oh, like, wow. so like, I don't know. And that has happened several times. And it's often like, it's not anything my dad says that he does. But people just like end up having very long discussions with him. And like, oh, oh my God, yeah. It's like, we just met, but we had some really, a very deep conversation. <laughs> God, I hope I bump into him traveling someday because that would really bullseye my Swedish stereotype. Like, sit down and just have a fucking solid conversation yeah. right out of the gates. I think actually my dad and my mom, apparently, they met at a party and ended up sitting at this after party until 7 a.m. in the morning talking about death. Uh, I was like, yeah. <laughs> 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 I was like, great. So romantic. So <laughs> 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 okay. Wait, do I have another question about Ex Machina? I'm just obsessed with it. It's so what fucking good. What about Sweden? Did you have any more questions about Sweden? <laughs> I don't know if you're being sarcastic or not. Like, you're like, oh my God, this whole interview has been no, about no, Sweden. No, no, no. I was honest. Yeah. I'm going to tell you one thing about Sweden, and it'll come with an admission of my vanity. You ready? I went to Stockholm when I was like 20. Mm -hmm. I don't love my looks. The only thing I like is I'm like, well, thank fucking God I'm 6'3". Like, I feel grateful about this, right? This is the only thing I think I got going for me. I go to Stockholm, I'm walking around. I am so dead average. It's uncomfortable how in the mean I am. I'm just dead average height, dead average everything. And I was like, oh my goodness, I've never felt so just among everyone. Like, Yeah, I remember, I think it was one of my first events that I ever probably like right in the beginning, like maybe 10 years ago, first time in LA and they wanted me to go to this GQ man of the year award. <laughs> and oh I was boy. Like, mm, that sounds great. <laughs> so I put my heels on and I went and I remember I stood in the room at the chateau and I was like looking out over the room and I was like, something is a bit off. I'm acknowledging something and I don't know what it is. Yeah. And then I realized I can actually like, see the bar like ah, with a pair of right. heels. you can look across the restaurant and see the bar yeah in america i'm almost almost a bit above average i've realized and in oh. sweden i'm short yeah know? yeah oh miniature God. wait how tall are you 167 and a oh half. what's that well 
Should oh, we check? Fuck. Oh, fuck. Well, uh, Rob, Rob's. <laughs> five, Rob's. Four. Oh, 5'4. Five, five, four. Four. Okay, that's. We like that height. That's a good height. That's, that's for me. That's not tall, though. Well, yeah, but in Sweden, I'm short. Very short. <laughs> and then men are very tall. I've never been used to, like, see in, in balls. It's always just, like, heads. You know? yeah. yeah. And shoulders. See, in a movie, this would have led to a great montage, and you would have went to the movies and sat behind people, and you could see the screen. No, the concert. <laughs> That's the yes. concert. Then you'd go to concerts. Like, yeah. you would have a whole montage of all the things you're enjoying where you can finally see. <laughs> this could be a whole like a Swedish coming to America story oh, wow. and it's just all about she had not seen visibility. most of the world yeah, yeah. yeah. it's called visibility is the name oh, of the movie oh my god yeah, but, but, it's, but it's about deeper it's about being able to see the soul of people that's lovely yeah, yeah. It, it's cool. I was the it's only real. used to see chest not soul <laughs> <laughs> I have an ex machina question so after that movie that movie came out. Everyone was talking about it. It was like, everyone, you have to go see this. You have to see it in the movie theater. You know, no one wanted to spoil what was going to happen. But then you emerged out of that as like everyone thinking of you as the most beautiful person on the planet. I'm glad you said it. I couldn't say it. I know. I know I you I wanted to did. say it. Yeah, so yeah, I said yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is a lot probably to feel all at once. Well, first of all, thank you. And I, I don't at all think I was really <laughs> you then. weren't wow. by the way i can't uh, is this the probably the worst question you could ask a swede is like she now has to comment on her own beauty exactly i, I will now get very very uncomfortable <laughs> i'm not asking you to comment on your beauty i'm asking the reaction one thing that a lot of people don't know is that ex machina opened up in the uk because it's a very small indie movie it was shot for a very very low budget in a few weeks and it bombed. Oh. No one went and saw it, and they took it out from the theaters. And that was it. And then a company that obviously now is one of the most known for the fantastic films they're making, A24, was this newly created company. And they said, we would love to just release this in America. And they did. And that was their first film. And like suddenly it was like it came out again. But the world yeah. now saw it. So that's pretty cool because it was almost a film that kind of just got lost. I don't know what his genius is in casting, but I just can't imagine a more perfectly cast movie and pulling from unlikely places. There's just all these really neat elements that somehow beyond his literary genius and writing ability has some casting ability that's really impressive. Yeah. I remember I, I even told him later on, I was like, oh my God, I was so intimidated. He's so smart. Yeah. He wrote The Beach, you know, the I book know. when he was like 24. Do you know that, Monica? Mm, the Leo it? DiCaprio movie oh. that they made from the novel? He wrote the novel. Oh, wow. I was sent that script and I was shooting a film in Australia at the moment. And I just, it was one of those things. I was like, they asked me if I wanted to do a self-tape. I remember I asked some people in the crew, I was like, can you guys help me? And I was like, it's the scene and it's a robot and doesn't say anything what she looks like. It was amazing because it was kind of like a clean sheet and how I interpreted Ava. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I want this part so bad. And it was like after a day of shoot and I had to do it because it was had to get to LA and the time differences. So I think we arrived at my house or my apartment at like 10, 11 p.m. and these 
two super cool guys in the crew who helped me. Uh, we set up and I remember I just like slicked my hair back and with like lots of lots of like hairspray. And then I, t- I found like sun lotion <laughs> and I just like took a ton of sun lotion in my face. So I cannot have this shine. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then I put this big light on top of me. And I just remember when I did it, I was like, oh, my God, I love this so much. So then when I got a call from Alex, like a few days later, I was so excited. I've never read the script, but I do imagine it has to take a bit of vision from you because I think a lot of actors respond to dialogue. Like they read a script Mm -hmm. and they're like, fuck, I want to say those lines. But it was the lines, too. It's one of the most economical scripts and brilliant, maybe one of the best ones I've ever read, to be honest. And it's like a page turner. Because it's so good. And everything that is said in the film is what the script was, which is not very common, actually. It's kind of exactly what it said it was going to be. Okay. Well, I could talk about that movie for five more hours. But (laughs) alas, we are going to talk about Blue Bayou. I watched the trailer last night. And then, of course, I learned a bunch about the director of it. And I went down a rabbit hole with him. With this project, I saw Gook, a film, Justin's first film uh, that came out of Sundance a few years ago. And I was, it really like immediately, you know, put him on my radar. I was like, who's this guy? Yeah. It's like he shot this film for like 200 grand. And it's really beautiful. And I realized that he's an actor. And especially being Korean American, he has issues or had to get parts and then he just you know to know that he just decided well then i'm gonna create my own opportunities and i'm gonna write and i'm gonna direct and i'm gonna act i'm gonna do all of it and then kind of showed everyone and just knocked it out of the park yeah so when i found out he had this film he wanted to make i said i would love to just read it or i would love to have a chat with him i would love to say hi you know and just say i'm i'm a fan you know yeah i was really touched by the script that i read and especially the story that it's telling which brought a subject to light that i i wasn't aware of and when we wrapped up our conversation i think i just called my team and i kind of said which is maybe not the way to do it. i was like well we just had a great chat we decided we we're gonna do it or i'm gonna do it so now <laughs> yeah. you guys figure it out or something and uh, yeah. but it's a small film so in one way it's not that much to figure out <laughs> it's like it's a very very tiny budget yeah you're getting nothing and let's start <laughs> yeah, we shot just a few weeks after that. I mean, it went really fast then. Uh, we oh, just wow. kind of went to New Orleans and, and I was so excited to be there too. I hadn't been there before. I oh, loved wow. it as much as I thought. <laughs> okay, so the premise really quick is Justin, he plays a Korean who was adopted at like maybe age two by american parents mm-hmm. so he, it's an incredible accent he's like cajun in the movie he's mm-hmm. and he's asian he's got all these tattoos all over his neck and you guys are an item and you have a daughter and they're together and they're living a life and then ice kind of gets into oh. the picture and says like you're not a citizen oh, wow. and you've got to leave yeah and he there is, was this loophole in the 80s they were adopted into america and then it was a lot of paperwork that had to be filed after the time that they had arrived. And a lot of parents didn't actually complete that. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, in this one case, which I think was the inspiration for Justin uh, writing this film, this article, you read about this man who the parents just decided after like two years that we regret this choice. 
Oh no. So where we don't want him anymore. Then he gets a foster in a home and then he ended up being shuffled around, I don't know how many homes until he was a certain age. And then he had an incident when he broke into a foster family that had been taking care of him. And also throughout the years, there was a lot of abuse. But he like stole something that was in his own possession. I think it was even like Bible, but that almost sounds too dramatic. But um, <laughs> but they ended up like dropping the charges anyway. But that in the end was what ICE then used, because wow. nowadays they changed that in the nineties. So if a child gets adopted into America and they arrive in America, they are then American citizens. Okay. okay, but it was this chunk of time and years where all these thousands and thousands of kids came into America, and now the government could just decide to like, Meh, you know, yeah, you should go back to your home country now. Your accent is incredible, and I wondered, like, you've obviously done the American accent a bunch, but that one's so specific. I hadn't really done American. So, oh, you hadn't? No, I was really terrified. That would be the scariest thing imaginable to me. Yeah. How did you go about that? I mean, also one of the reasons why I wanted to do this part, I remember at the beginning of my career, arriving in America, someone said, well, they clearly thought I was kind of from an upper class because they've seen me play like queens and stuff in films. <laughs> well, and we think anyone with a vaguely English accent yes. is a genius <laughs> from royalty. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I was yeah. like, well, I'm kind of from a smaller town in Sweden and definitely working class. Yeah. And it's just interesting, but I don't think anyone ever would see me or think of me, even though I maybe wanted to cast me in that kind of role as in this film. And I really connected with that part on a, an emotional level. And I was like, well, I think I understand this woman and where she comes from. Of course, it's another language and another accent. But I think I've seen this world. Mm -hmm. And it was actually amazing to see. I mean, the entire crew, obviously because of his heritage too, like the diversity in front of the camera and behind the camera. I think someone counted and it was like a crazy amount of countries. It was like a UN crew? Yeah. Have you been to Toronto by chance? Yeah. I actually consider myself being a bit Canadian because I have so much relatives there. Because my dad's family emigrated to Canada. Oh. So my dad, from age five to like 1920, grew up in Canada, which kind of formed him. So he doesn't really remember growing up in Sweden at all. So his brothers and all my cousins live there. They don't speak Swedish, though. Yeah, we were in Toronto and we looked around and I was like, I have never in my whole life stood somewhere that's more diverse than this. Like, it's almost as if it's yeah. exactly the percentage of people in the world are represented perfectly in that city. It's mind-blowing. That's what I loved with London when I lived there, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you like being in Louisiana? Oh, my God, I loved it. Like, you did? Yeah. I should find a new job taking me back to New Orleans. Yeah. Obviously, I already had an idea of, like, the music scene or the food, but everything was better than I thought. It's amazing to see this very colorful and vibrant American culture that still feels rooted in America, but it feels like something you don't come across when you go to New York, or you go to LA or San Francisco. And yeah. America is still a very young country, but New Orleans feel like it really has some history. Oh, yes. totally. Yeah. 
It's also, I would describe it as French hillbillies, basically, which is my favorite stereotype to mix in. Because, like, Austin, Texas is liberal hillbillies, which is a nice mix. <laughs> and then, yeah, the French influence with that southern thing is creates this incredibly unique fingerprint. It's such a great place. It is. As the director, you have a global vision at all times. And these scenes are pieces in this global vision. But as an actor, these scenes are everything. You're supposed to focus on the moment as the actor and be truthful in the moment. But the director has to have a much more global understanding of the whole story so that it doesn't go awry. And I think there's a nice bond between actors in a scene, which is you and I want to make this the real thing. And then the director is this outsider that's sometimes like, yes, but you guys can't be sad here because in four scenes you're going to be really sad and we need to be able to grow to that. So someone has to have their eye on that. And I think it can be a little bit weird when your scene partner, who normally you guys would be fighting for the moment and the director would be fighting for the global vision, for that scene partner to also have the global vision and for, at times, them to be motivated out of the global vision. It's just an interesting dynamic. I think over the years, I've been uh, I'm much more what you said now is a global vision. R okay. More and more, I maybe it's also due to my dancing background. Like I like to know what lens you're on. I don't mind having the technical awareness of what it is you're shooting. And in one way, I see that as my work. As I with all the brilliant people that I'm working with right now, I know that I have to just be on my toes because the train is just going to leave as soon as they start and I need to keep up. That is fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. The slight bit of panic is good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can't wait for you guys to see. It was a scene I shot yesterday and it was the wildest thing I've ever seen. It was one actor. I had no clue. It's one of the craziest performances. Yeah, HBO came to a set visit for that one day and I don't think they had ever seen anything. Oh, really? Wow. What is the show you're shooting? Yeah. It's a limited series with Olivia Sayas that we uh, were producing it with A24 and HBO picked it up. All the things that happened yesterday, I was like, at least it's HBO. All these crazy shit that happened yesterday is going to be allowed to actually be broadcast. Oh, mm. did you watch White Lotus? No. Oh, I need something new to watch. Oh, oh my God. It's on HBO Six Max. episodes. Six episodes. Mike White wrote and directed a lot of them. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. And there's a scene, I won't say anything. I'm just going to say there's a scene <laughs> in the sixth final episode where we all watched it Sunday. And I said immediately, well, I've never seen that in a movie, which is hard to say yeah. at 46 years old. I've never seen that in a movie or TV show is a hard way to see this. And I was so proud of everyone involved, even though it was so blue. I was like, God bless HBO. God bless Mike White. God bless the actors. It's God incredible. bless the prop department. <laughs> everyone mm. came together. And I can't believe we just saw that. I'm reading about it right now. Yeah, cool. I'm going to watch oh, it tonight. You're going to love it. It's so, so <laughs> good. Last question. You haven't worked with a ton of American directors, have you? Was Justin one of a very few? Yeah. Yeah, so did that cultural layer we were talking about with the kind of effusive praise, did that at all come into play during the shooting of this? I think it's the Korean blend there that maybe tones oh, yeah. that down a mm -hmm. bit. They're not very effusive. No, it's much more Swedish than I would say. But then that's what I love with the Koreans. They're like the naughty ones. 
I mean, they're like fun. They're like, you'd meet them and you might know the beginning. You're like, oh, it's very kind of strict. And like, no, they're just quite outrageous. It's insane. I I love Korea. And I've had the best time every time I'm there. This is, again, a big stereotype. And and I acknowledge it's a stereotype. But back when I was uh, still a practicing alcoholic, among my favorite people to party with were Filipinos and Koreans. They can fucking go hard. And I really respected that about them. So maybe that's a bit of that naughtiness you're talking about. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> well, listen, I can't believe you did this after you shot all day. And I have some more. I'm going to do some oh. more. <laughs> oh, no, oh, wow. no, no, no. I would be a brat. I say, yeah. I was like, yeah, it's been a long day, but I didn't think about that at all. I've had such a good time. I really, really enjoyed this. Thank you so oh, much. Yeah. Well, wonderful. Us and then too. last thing, did you just have a baby? Well, uh, I was told there was this Daily Mail article that came out of my husband and I in an airport with a baby. Oh. I thought that was very funny. It was just Alicia, Michael, and they're holding a baby. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess I just leave it there. It's like people then disputed. Like, I don't know if it's a thing that my husband and I have about just grabbing a baby at any airport. (laughs) That's what we love about you guys. We love that about you guys. You'll grab anyone's baby. Yeah. Alicia, so nice to meet you. And I hope we get to talk again when you're promoting your HBO show. Yeah. Let's do one of those silly comedies where everything is so amazing. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm a good hang on set. I'm like a five on camera, but off camera, I'm like a nine. (laughs) Oh, great. Those are the films I want to make. Perfect. Let's go and do one of those. Amazing. (laughs) Okay, perfect. I didn't see it yet, but it looks really, truly great. It looks so dreamy, and there's such a specific tone just visually. Yeah. Auntie, the cinematographer who's done... His other two films. He's going places. No, he, he's so talented. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. I love when people do a ton with very little resources. It's always so impressive. I admire it. So everyone see Blue Bayou. So great to meet you. And thanks for doing this again after a day of, of shooting. Course. I'm too big of a brat. I would have never agreed to that. And I'm impressed. It's the ballet training. You're Discipline. used to suffering. You're like, yes. So after a long day, I'd like to suffer some more. Let's do it. Thank you guys. <laughs> That's so much fun. Have an amazing day. Okay day and say hi for me to your Swedish friend. I will. And also, um, I just want to leave you with we love you. We love you. We love you. I love you guys. This is so amazing. Uh, see you guys soon. Right. Bye. Bye. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert if you dare. We are supported by Intuit the technology platform that builds your financial confidence. There's some things that school doesn't really teach you, like how to handle the financial world. I mean, look, I did 16 years of school and I didn't have a single class on accruing debt or a hole that that puts you in. Yeah, they don't teach you that. No effort made whatsoever. If you want more financial knowledge, now is a great time to learn with Intuit for Education program. It has free, easy-to-use resources, like getting a car loan with credit karma simulations, understanding taxes with TurboTax lessons, and even learning to run a business with QuickBooks simulations. Check out Intuit's free resources today at intuit.com slash education. Intuit, that's I-N-T-U-I-T dot com slash education. We are supported by Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Mm. 
Ooh. Myrtle Beach, I have so much nostalgia. Me too. I did a spring break in Myrtle yes. Beach. Yes. Did you guys used to go there from Georgia? Yeah. It mm. was a very common beach destination. Ugh. Long sun-drenched days, live music every night, and 60 miles of uninterrupted coastline to enjoy. The beach truly is where your best self comes out. Combine that with the irresistible aroma of fresh seafood, southern classics, and local low-country cuisine from over 2,000 restaurants, and you've got yourself the perfect vacation. You belong at the beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com. That's visitmyrtlebeach.com. We are supported by Taco Bell. Oh, man. We often do two recordings a day and we have this little nice lunch break that we enjoy and we're always craving something really yummy. Yes, something fresh, something high quality, something like the all new cantina chicken menu from Taco Bell, which is Mm. exactly that. Mm. It's so yummy. It has slow roasted chicken, the pico, that purple cabbage and an avocado verde salsa sauce. Oh, delicious. Outrageous. The new Cantina Chicken Tacos, Burrito, and Quesadilla are the perfect daytime choice. Try the new Cantina Chicken menu at Taco Bell now. And now my favorite part of the show, the fact check with my soulmate, Monica Padman. Okay. That was, should we be honest? I just opened and closed the door at a stoplight so that you'd get the sense we were just stepping into the car. <laughs> oh man, you really. I pulled you, the curtain back right as I was showing everyone the yeah. curtain. Yeah. <laughs> I I was going to say that it was Foley. Uh-huh. But actually it's not Foley, it's the real thing. That's true. But Foley's often the real thing. Just put in Is a microphone. It? Sure. Like if it's a door closing, they might actually record the door closing. And they still call that Foley? Yeah, because it was recorded with great sound with a, a dedicated mic to it. And then they lay that in over the movie so you can really hear that crisp door sound. But they don't want to muddle up the dialogue. So there was no crisp door sound on the day. Oh. You know, I like thinking of Foley more as like... Rolling a bowling ball through eggshells with coins. And, and that it sounds, means something else. It yes. means coitus. Well, right. Or yeah. coitus interruptus. Yeah. So... First fact check in a car. Yes. We're at 8,200 feet in Park City, Utah. We're in Park City. We're on our way to Salt Lake. I was going to do a a speaking engagement. You were. And and it was canceled due to corona fears, which I guess you could argue should lead us to think we should cancel our show tonight, but we're not going to do that, (laughs) right? No, but by the time this airs, it'll be too late, but... You do have to show your proof of vaccination or negative test. But what if it turns out that this, we have our show tonight. Yep. Sunday, it's all over the paper. Super spreader event. Super spreader event. Turns out it was a super spreader event. And then people will be listening to this like, how naive. They didn't even know. I would feel really (laughs) embarrassed. (laughs) We'll have to edit this out if it does turn out to be a super spreader event. (laughs) People are going to concerts. Like, it's back. There's such a specific culture in LA, which is everyone has a mask. No one here has a mask that we're seeing. Yeah. yeah. So So the chances of it being a super spreader is a little higher. Or I think lower because how the hell are they going to figure out it was our event? Everyone's like, you know, I was just, I just left 7-Eleven. It was pretty, it was popping in there. You mean the chances of us getting caught are lower, but the chances of it being a super spreader event are actually higher. Huh. Yeah. <gasps> That's my point. If it's, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, you saw Dummies. Yep. <laughs> 
Right next to a Del Taco. <laughs> okay, we're going to get on the uh, I-80 going west. People, I don't know. People might be mad at us for driving and doing this. Is Why? That, we talk reckless? When you and I are in the car, this is exactly what we do. There's nothing's different. I have a driving mic stand that's been engineered specifically for podcasters who are always behind the wheel. Okay, great. There's a great company called Durafish who makes them oh. out of Sweden. They saw a niche market for podcast hosts who operate from their vehicle. Oh, my God. Yeah, they have 11 customers and nationwide. One, and you're one of them. Well, we're two of them. Oh, I'm also happy. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Okay, so what's fun is we're in Park City and it's not a snowy time. No, it's a summertime, end of summer. It's actually Yom Kippur. It's Yom Kippur today. That's correct. Do you say happy Yom Kippur? No, oh. I'm not sure and I don't. I know, it's like I saying think, happy Memorial Day. It's, a, it's tricky. I think they repent. Oh, they do. Yes. They, well, I just had a correspondence with Dr. Uh-huh. Kopowitz. Uh-huh. He told me he was repenting for his sins today. Yeah. That, and he so said it right in the email. I don't think you'd say happy. That's true. If you're a masochist, maybe, and you like relishing in all your failures. Jeremy Ranch, one half mile. What if oh, I- my God. You're going to be like your dad. <laughs> Jaybird. Oh, wait. That's Joybird. There's a Joybird. Oh, cool. Yeah. When my dad's in the car, he reads every single thing he sees. He, it's a tick. He doesn't know he's doing it. And I relate to it a ton. Yeah, you say you do that, but in your head. I do it in my head, and I want to do it out loud, but I police myself. Can I just make an observation? So on our way up to Park City, we averaged about 89 miles an hour or something. Uh Uh-huh. But now that we're in this casual conversation, I'm going to have it at 69. So maybe this is like a weird way to solve my too aggressive driving. Okay, I like that. Thank God for dual fish. Oh my God, you remembered the name. I don't, I'm not sure if I got it right. I think you did. <laughs> yeah, so maybe it's, that's what I need to do all the time. Always be recording, ABR. This is kind of a huge ding, ding, ding. Okay. Because this is for Alicia Vikander. Right? She's Swedish. Oh my goodness. And I just accidentally said that. What'd you say? Didn't I say the that Duofish was a Swedish company? Oh, I think you did. I think I did. Oh, my goodness. Okay, that's a ding, ding, ding. And it looked like Switzerland. Is that what you're going to say? Yes. Even though Sweden doesn't look like Switzerland? I think <laughs> Sweden is like Switzerland, which has the Swiss Alps, which has skiing, which Park City has. Yes, but Sweden <laughs> doesn't have Alps, unfortunately. They have fjords. How close are they to Switzerland? Boy, just... Stone's like, throw? Like, this is a bold just guess from the map. Okay. Like, imagining the map, Switzerland, Sweden. I'm going to go 800 miles or 1,200 kilometers. Or flying, how long would it take? Oh, well, if it was 800 miles, then your flight would be about an hour and 40 minutes. So it's not close by. No, 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 no. no. I can name the countries in between those countries, I think. Really? Yeah, I think starting at Sweden and going south, you'd hit Denmark. Then you would hit Holland. Then you would hit either Germany or France, depending on how east or west you were. And then you would hit potentially Austria or Switzerland next. Germany does border Switzerland and oh Austria. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow, they're not even remotely No, close. no, no. Okay, no. I've they're, made no. a big blunder. They're in Scandinavia right there next to Finland and Norway. All right, let me revamp my ding, ding, ding. Sweden starts with an S. <laughs> yes, and yes. Switzerland starts with but an But even S. crazy, I think even more to the point, Swede and Swiss is very close. 
Right. That's why I got confused. Yeah. It's very common. I'm kind of glad I'm messing this up about countries of white people. Yeah, because you feel less bad. Well, I just feel like people do this with Asian countries. Or Africa. People think Africa is a country. Right. Exactly. But a lot of people are like, oh, they're Chinese or then it's like, no, they're not. Right. It's common. You know, this is a common problem. Even you saying that made me nervous. Well, it happens. I know. Yes. So I'm kind of glad that it happens also with these uh, yeah, I think white countries. I think it's fair to say that people just have a pretty poor understanding of geography in general. I do. They don't know shit about Eastern Europe. Yeah. They don't know shit about the countries in the Middle East. Lambs Canyon, one half mile. Ooh. The meek shall inherit the earth. The lambs got this whole canyon. It's named after them. It is really beautiful. Hmm. Oh. I wish you guys could see it. <laughs> I wish you were here. Uh, didn't something just happen in the elevator? I wanted. To, oh, oh, we just had gosh. a. We had it. We just had a very scary situation. <laughs> we accidentally, when exiting the hotel, we got onto a service elevator, which, in retrospect, was pretty obvious. You think? Well, in that there was four carts just oh, parked oh. in the elevator. And right when we got in, I made the joke. Oh, cool storage. Closet. <laughs> but we still, you know, this is our arrogance. We thought, ugh, like someone left all these here. This is embarrassing for the hotel. Yeah, I was embarrassed on behalf of the hotel. But it was us, us. We made a mistake. <laughs> Although they really, even though that's a, um, that what turned out to be a utility elevator, they shouldn't be using it as storage. That's not where the cart should be regardless. Well. Anyways, that's not even the point. The point is we get in this, you know, rough, it, it rough and looked, tumble elevator. The front of it looked like the regular elevator. That was confusing. Yeah. And then the inside was stainless steel and scuff marks and <laughs> broken light screens. Yep. And then we, we we're supposed to go down one floor. We go down one floor, open it up. And there's like 300 tomatoes in front of us <laughs> as soon as the door opens. And it smells like... <laughs> moist kitchen. When I used to work at Big Boys as a oh, teen, yeah. it smelled damp, like a lot of f- deep frying had been happening. Oh, boy. And then we hit the button again to return to the floor we started on, and that opened in a different kitchen. <laughs> and then we really thought we were fucking in another time we space continuum. We got transported. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. It got scary. That would have been so crazy if we literally got well, got transported like Harry Potter. And I kept hitting the buttons like you too were quickly. Scared. Yeah. yeah. You, you were getting panicky and then you started clicking everything. And then we had to wait. Once we actually figured out what was happening and what floor we needed to go to, I had already hit so many buttons That's that we right. had to stop at every kitchen in between. <laughs> so many kitchens there. That was the other Harry Potter thing is each floor was identical. <laughs> <laughs> I swear the same box of tomatoes was on one and Oh my God. I was touch and go. For a second, I was like, should we just get off in one of these kitchens? Because I was nervous. <laughs> I, was, I was nervous that the elevator was going to break because it was not, it didn't seem sturdy and steady. No. And in fact, at one point it shut the doors and I was like, I don't think it moved and the doors opened again. A bird You're just, warning me about what? bird just pooped here. Oh my goodness. Right on the just windshield. Just now. Just now. Are you sure that's a dead, dead insect? That looks like a splatter of an insect. Oh, sure, man. I thought you were pointing out this wide load that's above, uh, uh, right in front of us in the number three lane. No. We do have a wide load. Are you trying road. to tell me this is a roadkill situation? Yeah, I think that's a casualty on the windshield. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. okay. Do you want to give your Fromer's Guide review of downtown Park City? Because you really liked it. 
Oh, I loved it. It was so so adorable. We had a very cute lunch out in a little cute outdoor patio with lights. It was adorable. The food was mediocre. It was fine. It was just fine. Yeah. We decided it didn't matter because the ambiance was so nice. That's right. It was outside in the mountains. It smelled good. Yeah. And then you did some shopping. I did. I got a very cute jacket and a lipstick. And I went into some other stores. They have lots of cute stores and restaurants, but it's it's manageable. It's yep. one long street. The only thing that'll get you is the street is at a pretty decent angle. And again, you're at 8,200 feet. Yeah, we were out of breath. We, yeah, we were, we were struggling. And it was hot out. We think we're going to get a pop of energy when we get back <laughs> down to 5,200 feet in Salt Lake. <laughs> we hope. It was really nice. Should I tell everyone? Listen, that's as open as my nose gets at elevation. I have a kind of a, a I guess I would call it an allergic reaction elevation where my nose gets clogged immediately. Yeah. And it gets a little bloody. I had blood this morning. Oh, you did? Yeah, I noticed it. Oh, good. I feel less fragile. Yeah. But I have blood a lot in my nose. You do? Uh Uh-huh. Once a week? I used to have it every day. Oh, that's healthy. (laughs) I haven't checked. I mean, now I don't even think about it because it's just like, yeah, it's part of my life. I have diarrhea every day. (laughs) Be a man. (laughs) Do Do it with bloody nose. Okay. I have a bloody nose every day. Be a man. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Maybe one other update. No. What? Because I don't know if I can do it right now. I had been workshopping my Bill Clinton this week. Oh. And then it actually met your stringent guidelines. It actually did. It met your approval. I was surprised at how good it was. Yeah, I was talking to Monica about coming off the campaign trail. It was hard out there. I see. Are you from the South, too? So, you know, I'm from Arkansas. How you doing? What's your name? Monica. Oh, are you a student? No, I'm 34. You are? Yeah. Well, you don't look a day over 14. Oh, thank you? I know a lot of 14-year-olds. <laughs> okay, no. Oh, <laughs> well, because I do a lot of you. So, today it was a six, but it was it got to an eight yesterday. It did. It did. It did. Yeah. This was still good, but you're right. Last night was a little better. Yeah. Because we were watching um, the impeachment show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Played by Clive Owen. Oh, man. That's really kind of inspired casting. It really is. Ryan Murphy does such a good job with casting people who can really transform. Oh, Paulson in that. uh, Sarah Paulson is unreal. She is. If her name's not in the credits, there's no fucking way anyone knows that's her. Yeah. No way. You'd never get it. It's not even when I'm like looking at her. I'm not even thinking like, who does she look like? Right. It's not even triggering anything. She looks like Linda Tripp. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's crazy. The only giveaway a little bit, if I close my eyes, her voice to me is very specific. Yeah. You've been doing a lot of like. Eye closing? Yeah. Just shutting down different senses to see if you can pick her up. (laughs) Plugging your nose and watching. Yeah. Yeah, Putting mittens on and watching. Maybe that's what the bloody nose is all about. Is plugging your nose too often? Yeah. (laughs) See if you can. (laughs) Hear Sarah Paulson's voice. See her better when you can't <laughs> smell. Anywho, this was a, a fun couple days. And yeah. we're on our way to our live show, Armchair and Dangerous. Very excited. Me too. Oh, it's been like almost two years. I know. Oh. Really? I mean. Oh, so naive. They had no idea of the super spreader event they were hosting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my 
my God. Wait, I'm nervous now. I'm seeing like huge concerts. People are going to huge concerts. Yeah. And I'm not reading any outbreak uh, super spreader events. Yeah, but most of those are outdoor. No, I'm seeing a lot of... Uh, oh, indoor? A couple hundred thousand people in like a living room. Oh, that seems crazy. Well, I feel good about the the protocol and we'll see. Yeah, we'll we'll find out. Oh, yeah. they were so optimistic and naive. <laughs> Should I go through some facts? Yeah, let's let's hear some of them. Did you too? No. Oh, there's a little bit of a fart. Really? Yeah. I don't mind at all. It's not me. Okay, great. And it's not me. Oh my god! What if there's a monster in the back seat that popped up? Oh my god! I, that's actually you a never f- think about that for the person for the assailant hiding in the back seat to kidnap you. You what never if he think farts? about that. I, no, no, oh. I never thought about what if he farts. Oh. You follow me? I, I think he has good control over his airways, or else he wouldn't be a villain. You don't I pick think- when you get gas. You can't, like, train your way out of having gas. Well, I guess you don't eat that day, maybe. They know that we would just blame it on the road, like what I'm about to do, which is like, yeah, I guess it just smells out there. Right. But if you were driving by yourself in the car, you smelled a really distinct fart. That'd fuck you up. You would I know think- to look in your backseat. After seeing that episode of what? Veronica Mars... Where I had no spoilers, I guess, but like someone, <laughs> but a big, big spoiler, big spoiler season finale, <laughs> a very scary person is in the back seat of her car at Ooh. night. And I've never forgotten that. And I'm always terrified. And I always check. Okay. Can I just play out the scenario though? A little bit. Yeah. You're, About the fart. Yeah. Okay. I'm driving in my car. Oh God. Did I fart? No, I didn't fart. Who fucking farted? And I turn around and I look. I go, ah! Oh, my God. And there's a guy back there. And then he goes, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And then I would go, for farting or for being in my back seat? Okay. And he'd go, fuck, I guess both. Oh. Oh, this is nice. This kind of made him nice. Yeah. Well, he felt vulnerable because there's no one else to blame it on in the car. It's clearly him. Then are you going to ask him what he ate? What'd you eat? Fuck, I don't know. You ever do that? You forget what you ate for lunch? Like it was, I guess it was unmemorable. That's what I can tell you about my lunch. It was completely unmemorable. And I'd be like, oh, you should start using Yelp. Or maybe it was anxiety about the kidnapping he was about to do. Could be. Yeah, a little IBS. Yeah. No, then when I was like, do, you, do I need to stop? Do you need to find a bathroom? Oh. I extended an olive branch. That's really nice. And then, it, and then he quit being an assassin. This is all a worthwhile trip down hypothetical lane. Did you find your facts? No, because I got distracted because an update. I'm in touch now with Ann Monsoor. Oh, my gosh. Yes, Arm Cherries. Thank you so much for your hard work and your sleuthing because we have found Ann Monsoor. Yes. Last episode, we talked about how the Arm Cherries came through, but they really, really came through because I am now, now like personal I'm, in an, friends. I'm in an email correspondence with her and I'm so excited to be connected with someone so awesome and yeah that really worked out and, and the painting we need an explanation of how the painting's back I, I know how it's back so the painting is back at Nikki Kehoe oh. and I have put it on hold I'm buying it I'm yeah. not in town obviously but I'm, I'm still I've it. told them that I'm buying it so this is what happened I'm pretty sure a designer, which I did know, a designer came and bought all these. An mm. interior designer. Right. And then just probably decorated someone's house. Yes. Did an install. Great. And then I think 
people go through and they go, oh, I like that. I'll keep that. Yeah. Ditch that. Or I only have so much money. I'm only going to pick this. How much this. was that painting? Now, this has led me down a road because I am buying it. I'm so excited. Although, Anne, in her email said she's working on other Rose abstracts, once with specifically <sighs> me in mind. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so, so now you're basically commissioning one. I know. But that's fine. I'm going to buy the original. I'm going to take a, a partner painting that's made Companion. for me. Yes. Okay. And during this process, I found another painting I like oh from a different gosh. artist, also at Nikki Kehoe. This one is more expensive. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm buying that, too. So now I'm an art... Can I tell you something? Connoisseur Mansoor. Connoisseur. You're a connoisseur of Mansoor, for sure. <laughs> Can I offer one tiny, like, just check in with yourself? Okay. I don't want you to turn your previous <laughs> compulsion towards buying Pangaea to art. Like, you're making good money, but you can't just start buying art every month. Okay. It's too expensive. Okay. So, like, have fun. Dip your toe in the Can water. Can I buy this round? Three. You just basically said you're buying three. You're buying the one you always wanted, the companion piece, and then a new one. I, here, I have a different fear. Uh-oh. If you're spending that much money on art, we should talk to Ethan and see, like, what's a good investment? Certainly that you like ones that are also good investments. I don't know if I do. I don't know. <laughs> you, well, you don't know because you've not gone and looked. You'd want a Chagall or you'd want a Mondrian. A Mondrian? No. I don't even know what that is. I guess I do. And I I don't want a a fine artist art piece. No, what you want is the next Basquia. You want to find someone that you... I think I found her. Well, that seems crazy that you walked into a one store and they had Are two different... Are you out of your mind? I'm in the simulation. <laughs> okay. Okay? I like cars and there's there's some I certainly want, but I, I at least run it through the thing of like, oh, this is going to depreciate terribly. But by this other one, it's either going to stay neutral or this one might go up. There's so many cars out there. I can find one that checks both boxes. I'm only imploring you to check both boxes. I don't have that. I don't have that. And you, the hunt? I really don't have a future. Hustler. I'm not like what it's going to happen. Like even with the house. Yeah. You don't think about that. It'll be worth more. No. I mean, right. I, I hope it is because I'm putting a lot of money in, but I don't think about that. What I think is like, I'm going to be in that house for the rest of my life. I'm going to stare at that painting for the rest of my life. You know, things like, I'm not trying to uh, resell That sounds stuff. like a healthy way to... You know. I don't know if it is or not, but I like... Do you smell it again? A little bit. Maybe it's in your nose. Oh, God, I hope not. Maybe a fart got trapped. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We're about to pass University of Utah. Oh, you... Not UT, though. When I say UT, that's, that's University of Texas. That, or, Austin. no, Tennessee. No, I think Texas. Austin, Texas. I think, I think Tennessee. Oh, wow. Anyway, I just... um, I, I appreciate everyone, and I'm into art now. And... <laughs> Just, just to, want, to wrap this up. Just to, want everyone to know. Just to uh, summarize. I'm an art collector, <laughs> and I don't care if they're worth more or less. Because <laughs> I have convictions. Okay, let's get into facts. Alicia. Okay. I bet Alicia has some good art. She seems I don't think like, so. Oh. <laughs> she seems well, like I do, that. but I think it's like a friend painted it. She got it at a like a, a farmer's market in no, Stockholm. Alicia? No. Yeah, she, she is, seems very bohemian to me. Really? Yeah. I think of her very Swedish, very like minimalistic, very good taste. Yeah, like Bauhaus. No. Scandinavian design. Oh. Modern. Minimalist. That's Woods. not that's not boho. I'm talking ba Bauhaus in Berlin. B A U. First you said boho. You said No, I said Bauhaus. No, first when you said she gets it at farmers markets and stuff. 
Oh, I said she was very bohemian. Yeah, that's what that means. Boho? I think. Oh, I've never heard that. Thanks oh, for teaching that to me. I'm pretty sure. That's cool. Do you think Soho is Boho? <laughs> no, Soho is south of Houston. Houston. I know, but do you think the area is Boho, Bohemian? <laughs> yes. Okay, so Soho is Boho. <laughs> okay, Alicia, the screenwriter who wrote Ex Machina, he wrote the novel The Beach, and did he write other novels? Yes. Oh. I don't know what happened here. I don't see my answers. Uh, but I do remember looking it up and he has lots of books. Okay. Final box office of Ex Machina. Curious because it was pulled from theaters in Europe because it was underperforming. You know? Right. So domestic was 25 million. Great. Chips numbers. And that's 69% of its worldwide. Oh. International okay. was 11 million. Okay. So 36 mil. Yeah. Worldwide, 36 million. Isn't that funny? Because I think that's around what chips made, and I just think of chips as such a disaster. I would think of Ex Machina as this like triumph. Yeah. Well, yeah. you should start thinking of chips as a triumph. Okay. Did you ever do ballet? I did. Yeah. Tell us. I've told it on here a few times, which is my mother was advised because it was very evident I was going to be too tall. And someone told her, like, you know, he's, I think maybe a doctor said, you know, he's going to be huge. Ballet is a great way for a guy to become really coordinated. And manage this big, lanky body of his. So my mom said, okay. So she put me in ballet. How old are you? Seven, six. This is so mixed messages because you said you could never, ever, ever have done theater in high school. Absolutely not. But then but you when, did ballet. But when you're six and seven, that's not a thing. Oh. We haven't gotten into like cliques and oh. jocks. and. Okay. So I did it. I have no memory of whether I enjoyed it or not at all. So I, I don't know if this is a heartbreaking story, but regardless, I had a recital. My mom invited my father. Oh. My father watched it and he said, That's that's that. That's the yeah. end of that. <laughs> so yeah. Michigan rears its ugly head there. Um Oh my god. I bet you were really good at it and he I was worried know. that you were too good. I can't imagine I was all that good at it. I was a big clumsy. Well, you you're I told you it dancer? looked like people felt bad for me. Like when we would have in kindergarten, we had this little play, and I was a pig. I was in the back. <laughs> I had a, you know. That was your first role? Yeah, construction paper had pig. Yeah. And I was in the back. Like, I was not a leader. Did you have lines? I, I was supposed to sing in the chorus, um, and I sang so loud, my mom oh. says. Like, all the parents were whispering, and they were embarrassed for me. <laughs> and they <laughs> thought, like, oh, my God, that guy's supposed to be in third grade. Like, I look like I was supposed to be in third grade. Yeah. I look like a big, big dum-dum that Aww. just couldn't get out of kindergarten Aww. and was in the back yelling. I, it was something about um, making the, you know, like, you know, uh, stirring the pot and making the stew <laughs> and some something about straw. It was— Oh, was it Three Little Pigs? It was not Three oh. Little Pigs. It was just some kind of musical set at okay. a farm. My first role ever— was in Taming of the Shrew in fifth grade. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, they did it. We did three Shakespearean plays. Well, really, Romeo and Juliet. Then they added a couple scenes from Taming of the Shrew and a couple scenes from Hamlet. Okay. And I auditioned. And I got a part. Everyone got a part. Great. And, and my part was the haberdasher. Oh, I love that Taming word. Taming of the Shrew. And I said, here is the hat your worship ordered. Ah. That was my that line. That was your one line. 
Now, they I might have been think thinking, so. looking at you, oh my God, they let a baby in. This baby must be so smart. Well, then why would they didn't you cast look so me tiny? as the old hat lady? Because it's so funny to see babies uh, play old people. That was a people. comedy. It was like, yeah. oh, wow. Comedy, I didn't know. Comedy casting. I didn't know that at the time. I would have really leaned into some. Yeah. <laughs> Where's my rattle? <laughs> That'd be so cute if the baby forgot. It was like, I need a nap. While Why? I'm sewing. What if I just took it? What if I just, <laughs> in the nap. middle, I just started improvising this whole baby act? And then got drowsy and yeah. took a little baby nap. And then I show back minutes. up in Romeo and Juliet as a callback. <laughs> <laughs> as a runner, the sleepy baby. Anyway, I obviously auditioned for Juliet. Okay. <laughs> I obviously didn't get it. This guy got Juliet. Oh, actually, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a ding, ding, ding. He has a royal. Literally, a two people just walked by. One of them's wearing a Shakespearean tunic. Yeah. Okay, well, this was fun. We're at our hotel now. Okay. I love you. And we're going to do a live we're show. We're going to do a live show. Thanks for listening to this road trip, guys. Yes. Bye. Bye. We are supported by Intuit, the technology platform that builds your financial confidence. There's some things that school doesn't really teach you, like how to handle the financial world. I mean, look, I did 16 years of school and I didn't have a single class on accruing debt or a hole that that puts you yeah, on. Yeah, they don't gonna, teach you that. No effort made whatsoever. If you want more financial knowledge, now is a great time to learn with Intuit for Education program. It has free, easy-to-use resources like getting a car loan with Credit Karma simulations, understanding taxes with TurboTax lessons, and even learning to run a business with QuickBooks simulations. Check out Intuit's free resources today at Intuit.com education. Intuit, that's I-N-T-U-I-T dot com slash education.